Happy Monday. Thanks for tuning in to the Steve Day Show free podcast edition powered by CRTV. And by the way, if you're not yet a CRTV subscriber, now's a perfect time. Get a discounted subscription with my name as a promo code DACE. You also get a free mug with my mug. So you get a discount and then you get a coffee mug. What more can you ask for? Probably a lot more than that, but that's the best we're going to offer. So take it. All right. Promo code day. See, I know how to close a sale, guys. I can close, right? I'm always be closing. That was that was straight out of Glenn, Glenn, Gary, Glenn, yes, Glenn Ross was. right there, wasn't it? Right? Yeah, you and your boy, Alec Baldwin. I mean, you're buying right now off of that, right? Just buy it because. That's a pretty good sales pitch, don't you think? I think we nailed it. I think it's, well, it's the best I can do, so we're, we're going with that, right? So promo code DACE at CRTV.com. Today and tomorrow, by the way, it's our special two-part year-end edition of the DACE Group Roundtable, looking back at the year that was in 2017, so you don't want to miss it. And by the way, when you get a subscription to CRTV using my name as a promo code, you don't just get our show, but you get the actual good shows. You know, the stuff that actually shows up in our marketing promotional material, other than our show, which I think we're going to, didn't we decide we're changing the of our show next year, Aaron, to many others? Yes, we are. Uh, yeah. Or additional programming. Yep. Right? We're, we're going to change it to that. <laughs> <laughs> and additional programming. That's us. <laughs> Todd, Todd's new to this conversation that Aaron and I have been having the last couple of days, so we're catching me this one blind, right? Uh, why don't we call it low bar? <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I mean, if you want the shows we actually promote... That we're proud to mention in our uh, in our uh, our sales uh, pitches. He's <laughs> my name to get those as well, right? So listen, I don't blame you if I had a choice between promoting Phil Robertson, Mark Levin, and Steve Dace. I think one of these things is not like the other. I'm I'm doing the exact same thing. So we're happy to to draft and gravy train off of their exhaust. So promo code Dace. And you won't just get our show, but uh, the actual good shows that uh, we do here on CRTV as well, including a lot of uh, additions we're really excited about coming up to the lineup in 2018 as well. And don't forget, we love to know what you think about what we think. Steve at SteveDace.com is the email address. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Steve Day Show. All right, gentlemen, we have two special guests with us today for the podcast. Joining us from Conservative Review, our friends Rob Eno and Chris Pandolfo. Say hello, gentlemen. Hello, gentlemen. Hey, guys. What's up? So we've got a full house here today because all of us now are going to spend the next uh, few minutes breaking down our thoughts on Star Wars The Last Jedi. Now, overall... Uh, reaction to this has been very high. Critic reaction's been high. Uh, CinemaScore, which does professional algorithm methodology polling for the studios, meaning they do actual exit polling kind of sampling in in theaters. Uh, the CinemaScore from the, those that have seen it uh, given an A. It's over an eight. It's over eighty percent from fans at IMDb. Now at Rotten Tomatoes, the fans over there don't like it. But uh, it's pretty split. It's hovering around the number that Phantom Menace was given. But that is not, that's kind of the outlier among where the other fan sites are. Where I am seeing division about this movie, 
primarily, when I've surveyed a lot of opinion, primarily I'm seeing division on the right, and I am seeing division with guys, Todd, our age and older, who, um, and I think there, there's a couple of reasons for that, which I'm sure we will get into. But let's begin by going around the, the, you know, the table here, the proverbial table, and, and getting everybody's big picture views of what they thought. Chris, I'll start with you. Sure. I really like this movie. Uh, I, I think there's certain flaws with it uh, from a narrative kind of storytelling point. And I think a lot of the negative reactions you're seeing aren't so much from people who hated the movie as a movie, but are from people who had certain expectations about what they were going to see going in. And they didn't see what they thought they were going to uh, find out after speculating what was going to happen for two years and watching all those countless hours of YouTube videos. So I kind of went into it just waiting to see what they were going to do without really having any expectations for what they're going to do. And I really, really enjoyed it. Todd? I hated it. Uh, was very disappointed, grew angry about that over time. Now I'm just kind of in a uh, sad phase. I don't uh, watch all those uh I think Chris brings up a good point. I don't watch uh, many of those uh, videos uh, at all. Every once in a while, one comes across, and I think, oh, that looks interesting. But I don't go seeking them out. And I, I thought Rob had an interesting take after uh, he saw it. But I, I'm not into the um, extended canon of it either. Uh, uh, I'm just a Star Wars movie uh, geek. And I, I, I think not only is this fundamentally flawed in terms of uh, crafting a movie, but I think it just dishonors the canon in any number of ways and it had at least two what i can't imagine what would actually take for me to walk out of a star wars movie but there were two moments in that movie that made me want to rob what'd you think um i I thought it was absolutely fantastic i mean my first reaction coming out of the movie uh was that it was a hundred on a scale of one to ten i thought it was cinematically amazing um i liked the interplay i love the subtext i think uh, you know a lot of the reasons that people um on the right might have been upset and i'm seeing it more from neocons than from the libertarian wing of the party um was the whole subtext on the military industrial complex um uh, but to to get to the the point that todd alluded to i i am that guy that that reads all the books that have that have for 20 years read the books since heir to the empire came out which was you know, the real sequel trilogy, um, which is now not canon. But I read all the books. And what I've liked about what Disney has done with the expanded universe is the that Lucas used to think of the expanded universe as something different. As long as it didn't ruin his movies or it didn't say something different than his movies and his story team made sure that didn't happen, he was fine with it. Now, the, the expanded universe, the Aftermath series, um, Catalyst going into Rogue One, the comic books... Uh, Star Wars Rebels, Star Wars The Clone Wars, all of these things make the movies better. If you read Aftermath, you you know where the story was going. If you've read, if you've watched Rebels, you understand that rather than the, the Force being something that if you have, you know, a genetic defect known as midichlorians that you're able to sense you knew that they were going with a different place with that. And I think that, that Luke basically admitting, um, and I don't think this is spoilers and I don't know if we're doing a fully spoiler. By the way, let's do a spoiler alert since you brought that up. I should have done that from the beginning. There's no way to truly discuss this without spoilers. All right. So if you haven't seen the movie yet, 
All right, I'm giving you the count of three, and then you need to pull a Mike Tyson and turn off your station. Okay, three, two, one. All right, everybody's been warned. Don't blame us now. If you haven't seen it, you don't want any spoilers. Turn us off. Go back, listen to us after you've seen the movie. As for everybody else, you're on your own. Go ahead, Rob. Okay, so Luke explaining that the Jedi were hubris, had hubris and and all of those things, and I think a lot of people got upset with because they're they they want Jedi to be good. Sith to be bad and no gray area. If you've watched all this expanded universe stuff, you know that they're going into a gray area. Luke saying that basically the whole Jedi religion was a fraud says that things like, you know, midichlorians, which are a genetic defect, which is what gives you powers in the Force, was a fraud. I, I like that part of the movie. I like the expanding of the Force and what the Force is and how it can work and how people can be gray and go on both sides like the Bendu in Rebels um, if you've watched Star Wars Rebels now I do agree that that some people might be upset that if you don't consume that sort of material that you won't have a full appreciation for where they're at and and there's something to be said that a movie should be something that is self-contained one of the big problems with Rogue One from a lot of people that I didn't suffer from because I read Catalyst going into it was Who's Galen Erso? Who's Jyn Erso? Why are they on this planet? What's happening? How come they just put it here? I don't understand what the first third of the movie is. And then they went on. And there was some of that um, in The Force Awakens. You know, so... Or not The Force Awakens, The Last Jedi. So, you know, just wanted to wanted to bring that up. So that, that was my initial reaction. Aaron, you're a big picture view. Um, my my big picture view. It, it was a fun movie, but overall, I left very very disappointed. Um, possibly part of that is because I had such high expectations, but most of it was uh, elements of the story that I just did not get. Um, specifically pertaining um, specifically pertaining to the death of a couple of people. Uh, it would be Snoke was one, uh, and Luke would be the other, and just the way, uh, the way some of the things went down. The, the, the biggest, dis- and we can get into the specifics later or later on in the podcast. But the biggest disappointment that I have uh, is that I just really don't care about the next movie. I thought it was great, not good. I thought it was great. I thought it was everything that The Force Awakens was not. I thought it was a true reboot of the franchise. If I could retitle it, I'd call it Star Wars The Next Generation. I think there's a lot of guys my age and older that are struggling that William Shatner won't be the captain of the Enterprise anymore, and it's time for Jean-Luc Picard. That are struggling that we have trans-warp drive now instead of instead of just warp drive. Um, I, I just think that when I, when I hear a lot of the complaints from people like Todd, and I've heard this from not just Todd, but other people, it basically comes down to how dare you not fit into what I thought this was all these years. It's a new generation now. Not I mean, what I thought, what it was. Well, that's what it was. That's what it was in 1977 and 1983. It's not 1983 and it's not 1977. It's a new generation. As Kylo Ren says, let the past die. Kill it. I don't think it abandoned any of their canon at all. I think it, mm-hmm. I, I, I think it took, if, if anything, Ray is an affirmation of it. I didn't see a, 
a postmodern takedown? Guys, my whole career is responding to postmodern takedowns. That's what I do every day. If anybody's got a more, if, if, if there's anybody in America that has a more sensitive postmodern meter than I do, they're probably somewhere in a monastery in Tibet or they've self committed by now. Okay. I mean, I, I sit around all day responding to these things. I didn't see it at all. I saw it as a reformation. I, I saw it as a religion that had lost its way, that had become too worldly uh, in its influences, um, a corrupted church that um, forgot what its original intent was. And Luke even noted this when he said, hey, you know, the Jedi allowed Darth Sidious, Palpatine, to manipulate them, to rise to power. Uh, they were responsible for the creation of Darth Vader. Uh, and when Yoda shows up, it's essentially to remind Luke that you have forgotten the relevance Relics are great. All these relics you've searched for, and you get, and Rob alluded to the backstory of what's been going on with Luke's character, and you see this in the novels and the comic books, and it's alluded to in Battlefront 2, the new video game. He has essentially spent the last 30 years looking for relics and histories and temples, and all that tradition and all that stuff is great. But there's a moment, and the, the Sermon on the Mount really begins when Jesus says, you have heard it said, but I say... Meaning that you guys, it's great to have your opinions and know stuff and to speculate, but it's not a substitute for what the actual truth is. And that Luke has put more of his faith into the ritualistic aspect of the Jedi religion rather than within his own relationship with the Force. And Ray calls him out for that. She says, hey, you have shut yourself off from the Force. Um, I, I thought uh, I thought it was brilliant. I thought it was brilliantly written, except for one subplot, which I thought uh, the the Rose and Finn subplot I could have done without that entire thing. It was a waste of everybody's time. Frankly, yeah. uh, frankly, if they wanted to, it, it, the way they brought Maz Tanada in made no sense. She knew Finn knew her for five minutes in The Force Awakens. We don't ever know how Poe or anybody else knows her. Now she's a great character, so if they wanted to use her, what I would have done is made her the code breaker. And the mission is if you if I get that you want to put Ray, Rose and Finn together, okay. I get that you need a story trope to put Finn on that ship so he can face Phasma. I'm okay with that. To me, the better story trope would have been that that we you know Maz Tanada's been detained since the events of the Force Awakens when her joint got blown up, and Rose and Finn have got to, they decide they have to go save her because she's the only person they know that can crack that code. That's what I would have done differently, and I think it would have made the middle act much better. I, I don't agree with the criticisms of the humor at all. I've seen it now in two sold-out theaters in, at, at two different time slots, two different days of the week. The crowd laughed out loud both times at the humor. I found it funny. Um, I, I thought what we watched here was a revival. We watched a reformation. We watched all the, all the same things we loved about this when we were kids are all still true. They have just been presented for a new generation. They, have, they now have their own, you know, we forget both Boba Fett was in like nine minutes ever, okay? Nine minutes of movies. And there's been all this, and he was actually first introduced in the Star Wars holiday special, which most of us believe is an offense under heaven, okay? So this idea, and so here's a character we've written all these cool fan stories and books about. He's in for like nine minutes, has an unceremoniously stupid death where his, 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 his uh, um, you know, jetpack gets, gets, you know, gets smacked and he lands in a sarlacc. Well, well you, so much for our dope cult antihero. Well, it's the same thing Captain Phasma is for the next generation. Cool name, chic armor, stupid, unceremonious death that you didn't see coming, and she's not 
in the movies a lot. They get their hero now that they get to write 19 books about for the next 20 years. I think it's okay to let the next generation have stuff. I don't think everything has to look the way we needed it to look. I'm 44 years old. I'm not nine. I don't need heroic Luke Skywalker anymore. In fact, I really identified with this one. A broken man who's devoted his life to a cause, and now when he sees the collateral damage of it, he wonders what's been the point. I don't know if you guys have actually watched or listened to our show the last year. I've sounded an awful lot like Luke Skywalker on this show a lot for the last year. All right? So I, I, I thought it was... I thought it was greater the second time I saw it than the first. I thought it's a much better re- reboot and a much purer reboot than The Force Awakens. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think from the I, I thought it was pretty good, and then I agreed with my wife, who did not like the first half of the film at all, and thought it really didn't get going until Snoke got killed. I agree, though. Once he dies, it kicks it up a major notch. Um, the Kylo Ren. Now you can see the passing of the torch in the first movie. You know, Finn is the reluctant hero with a past he's running from, just like Han Solo was. And Harrison Ford passes the baton to him in this movie. Snoke passes the baton to Kylo, and Luke passes the baton to Rey, and um, and Leia passes the baton to Poe Dameron. And I also don't get some of the stuff I've seen on the right that this is you know the cast's progressive uh, bent was meant to insult all the white guys are dumb. Guys, virtually one of the last lines Princess Leia utters in the movie, when Poe Dameron, the white male, says, follow me, and they all turn to her, she looks at everybody else and says, what are you looking at me for? Follow the white guy! I didn't understand any of that stuff. The the little boy at the end of the movie that's looking up to the stars, all inspired, pretty sure that's a little white kid. I'm pretty sure they all sit around with their thumbs up their asses thinking they were all doomed until Clint Eastwood from Gran Torino yeah, with I, a lightsaber no, showed up at the no, end. No. I didn't get the, the whole... The race. Let's not even talk about it because I don't think anybody cares about on this show. On that storyline with Poe, the worst thing is that guy just got done getting a bunch of people killed and then he committed mutiny and now we're all supposed to follow that guy. I mean, it was just the center would not hold on that point and on multiple others. Yeah, that, and, that's, and, that's, and that's, that's the story of all these characters. It's not the white. It's not the uh, pissed off. Pissed off because they're the, the way white guys are portrayed. It's it's the way that women are, are um, always the grown ups in the room in this movie. Even at the end, people instead of following the man, they look to Leia first for for, for permission to do so. Um, earlier in the film, even when a white guy tries to sacrifice, or not, a, he wasn't a white guy, but even, when a dude tries to sacrifice himself uh, for the cause of the Rebel Alliance. A chick stops oh, that him. That was the third earlier, earlier, earlier in the movie, the guy who had Poe Dameron, or the gal who had Poe Dameron's balls in a vice grip for the entire, I don't know, 20 minutes of the movie, she ends up being the smart gal in the room who ends up being the sacrificial hero in one of the best scenes of the movie, yes. That was one of the, I think it was one of the fan- most fantastic scenes, but even then, the, the, the gender roles, it was always clear that women are in charge, they are the grown-ups in the room, and you always look to them for permission to to do things i i did not like that at all it was clear that was there, there was an agenda there and if you want to call that nitpicking fine but it was distracting i didn't see me. that at all it was just what i what i, what Le- I saw Le- go ahead rob go ahead leia in 1977's a star wars 40 years ago this year basically did all of those things to han solo and luke skywalker yep. on the death star that's exactly right it, it has been part of the movies since then mon mothma led the rebellion that's exactly right um 
you know, and if you Free read Trump, the books, and not I'm tired. Books I'm and- tired of hearing from a bunch of conservative dudes how suddenly a, a series of stories written by a '60s hippie who based the empire on Hitler and the Nixon administration suddenly. Oh, I thought this was. I thought this was patting us on the backside and rubbing our bellies all these years. The whole what you're pointing out, Rob, is some straight up truth, man. So by all means, continue. No, it's not. Yeah, and, and, and my, my another part was you know I I, I saw Benny Arthur Johnson's rants and some other people's rants um you know they talked about it being vegan propaganda well you know we got in trouble here at crtv and conservative review because phil robertson cut the head off of a duck and showed you what an animal really is that you eat and it's not just something that you get in your supermarket that's what the puffin or the porg scene was when the porgs are all looking at him and going you know when they're looking at him and He's sitting there munching. We don't get to see if Chewbacca actually ate the pork, but I think he probably did. You know, so all of these things that that people are attacking. And then the other one I'm seeing a lot from neocons like John Podritz and those folks that are upset at the at the war profiteering. They're calling that capitalism. It's exactly the opposite. What they showed on Canto Bite and what they showed in that chip was crony capitalism. It was corporatism, which was basically what started I agree with what, you Rob help it use yeah. the whole thing I agree so with Rob. it's not it, it's they're they're actually if you sit back and take a look they're actually attacking if you read the aftermath books and I know a lot of you guys and a lot of the people reading aren't going to read the aftermath books but there was one whole aftermath book where they basically showed how the whole reason the resistance started is because the republic senate the new republic senate was ineffectual like our government in Washington with all sorts of backstabbing and everybody needing to be politically correct and all of those things, that's why Leah said, "Say, see you guys. We're going to do our own thing." I mean, it's right. it, it, that—that's the whole, the whole subtext arc of all of these movies has always been political, and it's always been anti-authoritarian, and it's always been anti-corporatist. But you know, that's now, just I, I thought. I, I I really agree with what Rob's saying here, and, and, and the movie as a whole took a lot of things that are reflective of the real world and put them into Star Wars. And I think people had a problem with that. Uh, another example might be the character of Luke Skywalker, right? Everybody's really upset that what, what was done to Luke and how he's this kind of broken man. He's this isolated hermit. Even Mark Hamill himself is saying, oh, no, Luke would never do this. But here's the thing, is that it, I think people are imposing a view of Luke Skywalker as an infallible hero onto the story. Mm-hmm. And... What The Last Jedi does is he, he shows you that he's not fallible, that this is still a dude, right? He, he's still a man. He still has flaws. He still succumbs to the kind of temptations and weaknesses that we have. And what he does he's in still this made movie out with is, his sister. Right. Yeah, exactly. And so what the movie does is when he fails with Kylo Ren, right, uh, when he fails in teaching him when this guy falls away to the dark side, he sees himself as kind of committing the same sins that the previous Jedi generations have done for him. And he's convinced that, oh crap, the Jedi can never do this right. Somebody's always going to be tempted to the dark side. We, we really, we, I ultimately failed. I, I'm this big galactic hero. Everybody loves me. And look how I can't even mm-hmm. teach my nephew what's right from wrong. Mm-hmm. And I mean, just if you were put into that situation, how would you react, right? It, that is something that would break him, uh, break a character. That's underselling a little bit. I will just to briefly go back to the ultimately the debate that was uh, 
clarified between uh, Rob and Aaron. Uh, listen, all of us go into this movie and a lot of movies, whether it's Avengers, we know there's some level of progressive something going to be baked into the cake. I, 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 it was there in spades at the casino thing. I, I, you just have to roll with that on some level, um, and it's okay to be uh, really irritated like Aaron, or to just you know whatever. I, I, I can only uh, you know burn so much frustration in the course of the day. So I think that's the least of my problem. My biggest problem has to do with the continu- just the continuity of the storyline yeah. itself, and what you just got done talking about, Chris. He didn't just start to lose. Uh, you know, faith in the Jedi Order. The guy who believed in the Force so much that he believed the biggest baddie in the world, Darth Vader, could be turned back, that he could turn back his father, then has a moment of doubt with his nephew so great that he's standing over him about to kill him. That is dumb. That is just dumb. And it was, and apparently the entire, Everything spins off. Uh, you mean like the guy who stood there at the bank of the Red Sea, and 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 okay, was you used got, to part. No, I'm going to finish now. You was gotta, used to part the Red finish, Sea. You interrupted. Per- performed all these great miracles, uh, and then when God said, not, "Hey, I want you to speak to the rock and make water come out," of you didn't do it. You, you mean that dumb like that? We talked about that, and it's good that it works for you. But you can't wrap this whole thing around the the gospel and the Old Testament to make it work in its entirety. It has to stand. Except on it does its work. Own. When you look, it, it, it does has work to when you, stand on its own. What I'm pointing out is that these are story tropes we've seen a million times before. David is a shepherd boy who unites, who defeats Goliath, unites the 12 tribes. He has done everything. He's done things no one thought was possible because of his faith in God. Did the force, and, then, and, then yeah, day, and then one day he throws the whole damn did thing the force away because he's a naked not. woman who's, on the truck. Did the force who, awaken or not? Is That's the, the title of the movie. You you the like force awakens the, and you turn into a madman? Who's but, the, but the force didn't awaken in Luke. He shut himself off from the force. Uh, who's the it awakened hero? in Ray. Not then. Who's the hero Mark in Hamill's 70. He's not doing this another 20 years I just, it's time for another generation to have their heroes you can that's no that's a red herring i'm talking about the continuity of the entire star i don't need mark i expected all of them to die in this thing that's fine you act like I there did. is no evidence ever of someone who, when they no, did I something didn't. great in their You're life, it. doesn't fall or fail no, later on. I'm not, Steve. I'm talking about within the continuity of just Star Wars. He, this was supposed to How be the pivot. How can they violate the continuity it's, of Star Wars when we don't know what Mark Hamill's been doing for the last 30 years? The pivot years? point of the entire universe is the, the virgin birth. Is that a lie now, too? Because if it was a lie, they should tell us. They're saying kill the past. I think they're doing it literally. They just want to mock the entire history of this thing. If it was a virgin birth, if it was the one who was going to bring balance to the Force, either that happened or it didn't. Now, if it was a lie, they should have said more than that because that's a huge issue if it was. If it did bring balance to the Force and the Force awakened, the guy who brought that about, the two guys in continuity, father-son relationship and there's certainly something of the uh, the gospel in there but the for the force awakens it turned him then not uh, into somebody who would kill his own flesh and blood because there was he had a spark of darkness in him it's i, I it was lazy man it was just so, lazy so you guys are so this discussion is highlighting one of the problems and one of the flaws of the movie is I think Steve's right. And these are story tropes that we've seen before. But the way that Todd is reacting to it shows that they just did not tell them well. 
So it, whether or not you like the movie or not depends on whether you think the highs of the movie overcome its flaws. You know, it, it's a good story, but it was poorly told. And that's why people are having this kind of bipolar reaction to it. For some people who get over the fact that it was poorly told really love it. And some people who can't get over the fact that it was poorly told just hate it. Okay, so then, see, I don't think it was poorly told at all. I thought it was excellently told. Here's another. Uh, well, I, I think I think that the the, the way that it was kind of unclear that the thing, kind of things that you and I are pointing at, Steve. The, since this is unclear to people, I think it's evidence that not everybody gets it, and if not everybody's getting it, th- that probably means it wasn't told in a way that is that helps people to understand Luke? this sort of thing. No, let's let Aaron when, go. When go Ray ahead. Can, Just a second, Rob. Yeah, let yeah, Aaron go. I, well, here's here's another continuity error, and I'll, I'll let you, Rob, respond to the the last thing that was said. Who who the hell is Snoke? It wasn't he like the harbinger of all of this, all uh, the Force Awakens and this movie as well. He's like um, the the Wizard of Oz, and in the Wizard of Oz, uh, the main characters don't finally get to Oz and realize, oh, Oz is not here. The story's actually about um, the Scarecrow. Uh, that's not how this works. I, it, <laughs> as it stands now. The harbinger, the whole impetus of why we have the First Order and why we have um, Kylo Ren uh, in the first place is Snoke, and he just dies and he's just gone now? What, what, what's up with that? Episodes 1 through 9, and I'm going to address your point first. Episodes 1 through 9 are the Skywalker saga. Ben is the latest Skywalker with Skywalker blood in the Skywalker saga. I agree with you that I want to know more about who Snoke is. You can get that, I think, in Battlefront. You can get that, especially in this new Thrawn trilogy. You can get that in Aftermath Empire's End, where they talk about how the Battle of Jakku was the the end of the Empire. The reason they went there is because Palpatine's succession plan was there. Hux was there. He was a younger child. They They go off into the unknown regions to regroup and then come back to form the First Order. None of that's explained in the movies. A lot of that is explained in the EU, in the books. Again, why I think reading what what, what Steve tweeted out last week about reading what reading all of these things, whoever wrote that was absolutely correct. But to get to, to get back, so so I think you I want to know who Snoke is, but Snoke is is not central to the story. Neither was the Emperor. It was the Emperor was a plot device to get Darth Vader to get Anakin Skywalker to turn exactly. into Darth Vader because this is all one through nine the story of the Skywalker family. We which didn't is know why Jack Squad about the Emperor in 1984, right. but we knew he had a backstory. The prequels were already made in George Lucas's yeah. mind. No, we didn't have no. We didn't know that the Emperor had a backstory until Phantom Menace came out. We didn't know what that backstory was. We just knew that the Emperor was there. No, no, agreed. But, but we knew that get, he had one yes. though. We didn't know what it was. We have we uh, we don't know either when it comes to Snoke that I'm aware of. Well, no, this is where I would this is where I would kind of agree. To me, and I said this too. It was a poor part of the movie. I did think that that was Snoke going out so easy. I absolutely think so. Um, I, I absolutely and I, and I agree with you, Aaron, that that is a that is a plot point that needs to be done. But I don't think he's as central as people thought he was. To go back to 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 the other point, I think that in both the Force Awakens and this movie, Chris is right in that they don't explain things a lot. Um, Chris was taught we were talking in preparation for this about some tweets that he saw that people didn't understand why the Republic was there and why the resistance wasn't bigger and all of that. Right. They didn't ben Shapiro quite has a, understand. Ben Shapiro yeah. has a piece out today 
about uh, how one of the flaws in his movie, in the in his uh, viewing of the movie, is how in the last movie we destroyed Starkiller base, right? So the idea is, oh, the First Order just t- takes this massive blow. Well, in this movie, it just starts off that this massive First Order fleet right. is tracking down the last of the Resistance members. Now, if you watch The Force Awakens closely, you realize that the whole point of having Starkiller base was so they could fire Starkiller base and destroy the entire new Galactic Republic and the Republic's fleet. So w- when we... When we blow up Starkiller Base, the Resistance is just using this tiny uh, kind of insurgent force that is not the Rebel Fleet. In fact, all they have in the Rebel Fleet is now being hunted down and killed right in the beginning of The Last Jedi. So this is another plot point that some people were annoyed by that I think you resolve if you just watch the movies closely and pay attention to what little they explain to you. And that, again, like I said, that might be a problem with this movie is it doesn't explain things well. It, it doesn't tell its story well. It's a good story but it's not telling it in a way that most people can understand. Okay. But that's uh, one thing something? I actually, well, I, I, in agreement with you, I, I like the general notion, and you, you go to all of the movies, regardless of their Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones, or the, you know, I, there's a, th- a thread of a narrative that, uh, that I like. I, I like the concept here about how after thousands and thousands of years the jedi had become uh more worldly got too much in politics uh the the force balancing creates this force awakening that is powerful beyond compare chris it turns out that i mean i i thought you nailed it about you know emo uh kylo ren Mm -hmm. um but it turns it turns out you were he is emo but i but it turns out you were you were wrong all of us were i mean uh Kylo and um, Ray are are basically infinitely more powerful as is Luke post awakening than Vader and the Emperor ever were. I mean, that's the point of the the, well, uh, what the makes, awakening. What, what, Kylo's power comes from the fact he is not married to the dark side. Kylo, to me, is your millennial snowflake deconstructionist. No dark, no Sith, no Jedi, no Empire. But, He's just out for pure, th- raw, and, and Snoke said it best, raw power. Yeah, so that, That's it. There, that there's no great. higher order. There's no higher claim. Even the Sith had a moral code. to their R. They had aims. They had goals. They just want, they wanted to bend the universe yep, to their whim. Right. He just wants power so, and rage. That's and, all. And yeah. he's very that, interesting. That was, that was he's more he's more interesting than ever before. But if you do all that, then that's why the the other uh, along with the um, uh, John Boydega not set, ultimately not dying because the chick saved him. I, I thought, hey, I was ready for that moment. Like, oh, finally some heroism. He's going out. That was brutal. I already told you about uh, Luke killing, uh, almost killing Kylo. But the the burning of the tree and the sacred texts. I, it, it's one thing to to wake up. It's another thing to just kill the baby with the bathwater. And guess who was there for the last... The guy now coming here and shrugging his shed, uh, shoulders and saying, oh, well... You know, try we'll try again and try to do it better this time. Is Yoda the guy who was there for 800 years saying, Do or do not, there is no try? I mean, that basically, now I have a Yoda t shirt. Uh, Yoda's one of the wise old sages. The man should not be respected on any level. He was lost for 800 years. He it's, wasn't lost at all. How many times, silly. Does, did, how many times did Yoda read out of the Journal of the Wills in any of the Star Wars movies? So, what is it? Is it just books, a comic book in there? There's the nothing to know yeah, in there there's the, just burn it the, all the jedi book it's stupid the jedi books they didn't burn aren't it. The, they didn't, the, yeah the, the jedi books are not said, burnt though if yeah. you saw if the you saw the end of the movie here's yeah. here's the yeah, long they were there at the it, end of the movie. but i i agree with the general criticism here's the, this guy who is as ancient as the night is 
well, long. That's not a very good comparison, but he's ancient. And he's just like, yeah, you, you can burn this all down. I don't, you, 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 the motivation there was still the same, uh, even if no. uh, Yoda, even if Yoda. You mean knew like that, the Ancient of Days shows up and says, you know, you guys can tear down this temple. This temple so, won't will be oh, torn so down Yoda brick is by God, brick. Then he's okay? not God. You mean he's, stuff like that? Who's, okay, here's 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 the big question that I have. I just don't your, see the postmodern deconstructionism at all. Anal, uh, 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 you know, no allegory. saying these allegory. terms. You are. You just, the, you just just define that. Hey, hey, hey. Who is the hero of the Bible? God. Jesus is. Jesus. Yeah. Who's the hero of Star Wars? The Force. But the Force can be used for good or for evil. Can we use God for good or evil? No, yeah. he's God. Well, first of all, now you're in a different era. I'm not. The, the, the for, this is dualistic philosophy. Okay. okay? I've said that from the so, very beginning. Okay. I've, I've said that for 25 years. This is dualistic philosophy. So now but we're going to respect it on its no, own terms? No, 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 no. Okay? I, what you guys are talking about, this is a reformation of their own dualistic philosophy. Nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. Yoda, Yoda didn't refer to the Journal of the Wills. We never saw the Force Tree. We never saw any of this stuff in any uh, of these movies anyway. All right? This is, it, it, nothing's changed. We, nothing, nothing has changed. Yoda's the same guy that he was 20 years ago. I think, I think too many people are bringing their political baggage from the last couple of years into this is what I think. Now here, we're, at, we're, we're short on time. I'm short on time. about the movies. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to predict what I think is going to happen next and what I think they should do. You guys tell me if you think I'm right or wrong. I was right about Ray not being a, or being a nobody. But Where? going forward, my theory is I think Ryan Johnson went further than J.J. Abrams wanted him to in making the story his own. Abrams made it very clear when him and Lawrence Kasdan wrote The Force Awakens. They did not do a layout, an outline for a trilogy. They just wrote this one movie. I have a hard time, if you go back and watch Force Awakens now, I have a hard time believing, though, that Abrams intended Snoke to be a bit player, intended the, 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 the only backstory to Ray to be your parents sold you for a pack of camels and a 12-pack, okay? I have a, high, a hard time believing that. So what I think is, so, so my, my guess is, in the next movie, we're going to see a couple of things. One, I think we will fast forward several years. That is how they will explain Princess Leia's death. They will give the First Order time to take to regroup and take more control of the galaxy. Give the Rebellion now more time to regroup and, and gain more followers. Ray to train, to train others. I don't know that we'll fast forward 10 years like we did from episodes 1 and 2, but I don't think this will pick right up like the last one did. I think this will fast forward several years. Secondly, I believe at some point we will learn that, it, that what Kylo told Ray about her parents is true from a certain point of view, that there is slightly more going on there than we thought. I also would not be surprised if the movie opens with some sort of, of prologue, like we get in Return of the King, where we to truly understand how bad the ring is and, and that what it drove Golem to become, we get Schmeagel's backstory. I would not be surprised because I do agree with Aaron's criticism on that front, that I think it would actually add to Kylo Ren and who he is by how was, who is Snoke? How was he able to get his clutches into him that Luke alluded to? I could see Abrams providing some sort of backstory where in order to satisfy that criticism, more of Snoke's story is told in a way that shows maybe in the end 
Ren, Kylo, he wasn't manipulating Kylo Ren at all. Kylo Ren maybe saw this old guy as a mark who, who could get him to where he wanted to go and was really manipulating him. But that's one way to answer the criticism that Aaron and I think a lot of other people validly have about, well, you need to tell us more about this guy because you clearly presented him as the main evil. Because Rob is right. We didn't know anything about the Emperor, but in episode four, we never saw the Emperor. He was even alluded to once in the very opening of the movie about what was going about. He shut down the Senate. It was clear the whole movie Vader was the main villain. Okay. In this film, Snoke as Palpatine, which Palpatine-esque figure, was presented as the main villain. And I agree, there needs to be some sort of story satisfaction there. And third and final, I believe that because of Carrie Fisher's death, Luke will return as a force ghost when it was clear that maybe what they intended is each of the three gets their own send-off film and she can't have that now. They when what they when they should have when they wrote the scene of, of Laura Dern's character of piloting her ship into Snoke's, they should have right then and there said, you know what, we couldn't possibly come up with a better death for Princess Leia. So we're gonna reverse our order. Luke will be will die in the next one. That's Princess Leia. She dies right there because we couldn't conjure up anything more heroic for a female heroine than that. But since she's yeah. gone, I think we will see Luke Skywalker return as we saw Ben Kenobi return in episodes five and six as a force ghost. So that's where I think we're going next. Thoughts, closing thoughts, you guys. That's a lot. I, I, Todd, I agree. Let Todd go ahead that. first. Todd, go ahead. Well, that de- Leia's scene where we thought she died and then had that moment where the force is a, a clearly a, a woke in her to a degree that we've never seen before it's funny that it seems like they could have gone back and made that her death if they really wanted to i mean it would take in some callbacks and things like that i don't know i could be totally wrong about that but obviously they chose not to uh, i think your force ghost uh, idea is right and if if unless you're if you're wrong about the jj abram thing and he decides to keep running with this thing i'm along the lines of uh, with rob that this thing is just we're just going to see the force do all kinds of things and it's that's what this is really going to be uh the the, that final act is going to be a showcase of making the force the first thing and the actors and their storylines are actually going to kind of be subtext to it all what that all means rob apparently knows better than anybody about what it can look like i thought it was really cool when they were communing with each other through space Mm -hmm. so whatever else is there i maybe that's it but i i don't have as good of a gut feeling as steve does nearly as good if there is some backstory to what you alluded uh towards the beginning of the film and tying up loose ends with Snoke, I think it will make um, the, the final f- film in, in this trilogy, the modern trilogy, um, a, a little bit more interesting uh, to watch. But that's the biggest sticking point for me right now is because the earlier trilogy, the original trilogy, it wasn't really about um, the rebels conquering the Empire. It was about the light side excuse me, the light side of the force triumphing over the dark side of the force. And now you're telling me that our main protagonist and our main antagonist, um, the protagonist has kicked his butt twice now. What else is there to resolve in my mind? Um, but that m- might be more along the lines of um, uh, uh, of a uh, nitpick, but that's where I'm at. Rob? Um, I, I agree with you on a lot, Steve. I, I think they do need to do some exposition um, in the movie. And if I had one, if I had one uh, problem with the new movies, it's like Chris said that they that they don't do a lot of exposition um, in what the backstories are. So I agree with that. I think you are going to find out maybe um, 
that Ray isn't nobody, that she's at least some, the, the daughter of somebody that we found before. Um, I am excited beyond episode nine um, at the Ryan Johnson three uh, film trilogy that's supposed to take place outside of the Skywalker arc. I think that that's going to be fantastic. It's stuff that I've always agreed with. I'm extremely happy that they've brought Thrawn, um, who is my favorite Star Wars character ever. He's a blue chiss um, that was in Heir to the Empire. He was the guy that was basically running the Empire um, after in the original 7, 8, 9 um, from the books from Timothy Zahn. He's back. I think that that's where they're going to spend a lot of time is in those regions of space, um, the uncharted regions. You see it with the Disney, uh, the Disney World Star Wars land is actually in the uncharted territories apparently. So I think that's a place that they're going. Um, I'm excited to see the end of the Skywalker story, uh, one to nine. I don't think they go back to it. Um, I think that they end it in nine. I don't think you're going to get an eleven twelve or a ten eleven twelve. Um, in the Skywalker main storyline and I'm excited to see uh, what is going to happen uh, with the world, the galaxy that is the Star Wars galaxy. So that's what I am. I'm really excited about is the future of the franchise. Chris, you get the last word. Yeah, so I'm going to take this opportunity to just kind of make sure we're all managing our expectations because like I said in the beginning of this podcast, one of the things I think people are having a problem with The Last Jedi is they went into it with uh, 20,000 hours of fan theories on YouTube trying to speculate about what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And then it, it was fulfilled in a way that they didn't expect. And so you're seeing a lot of the reaction to, well, I did, why did they do this? I wanted them to do that. That being said, you know, I, I, I think that some of the things with like Ray's backstory and her parents, I don't think that's as relevant to uh, the story. It doesn't make it a better story, particularly if she's anything special. I think it's actually more of a better story if she's not special. And as for the Snoke stuff, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they did something like having Snoke's Force Ghost haunt Kylo Ren in the next film and all the evil things that he's done with the dark side of the Force make him an even more conflicted character as he's trying to manage this uh, uh, resurgent hmm. First Order that's on the verge of taking over the galaxy with the rebellion now, because it's no longer resistance. The First Order has effectively won uh, with this rebe- new rebellion trying to take out over Mount. I, I think you're going to see a lot of Kylo Ren trying to manage the galaxy, and the conflict of the movie will be how he fails to consolidate power. Um, I, I think you're probably going to see more of this kind of Avengers-like tone of they're going to throw some humor into the third movie because they've done that in the first two movies. And I would just caution everybody to think of a trilogy where the third movie in that trilogy made the whole trilogy superior or made the first two films better. It's rarely, rarely done. Mm-hmm. Uh, arguably, it's been done in The Return of the King with the Lord of the Rings series and that those original one. movies. Yep. But but uh, the first movie, The Fellowship of the Ring, was already an excellent film. Uh, so it just I, I would caution people not to expect too much of J.J. Abrams because he has lots of trouble finishing stories. Uh, you saw that in Lost. You saw that in uh, what he ended up doing with Star Trek. Uh, but if you're going to a Star Wars movie to see lightsabers and blasters and war in space and a bunch of cool characters doing cool things, I think no matter what they come up with, you're going to be happy. And that's how I went into The Last Jedi, and that's how I want to go into whatever they do, end up calling Episode Nine. It was a lot of fun, everybody. Thank you very it much. Was. Appreciate it, Rob and Chris. Thanks for joining us, guys. Merry Christmas. All right. We'll see you on the flip side.
Merry Christmas to you. All right, don't forget, don't forget to join us today on CRTV, part one of our special two-part year-end edition of the Day Group Roundtable. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. I like it, you. 